We're starting a brand new series today called My Life Under Construction. My Life Under Construction. Why don't you just quickly just turn to the person you're sitting beside right now and just tell them, say, pardon the mess. Just tell them, say, pardon the mess. I'm under renovation. Just tell them. Pardon the mess, I'm under renovation. We're, we're starting this brand new series called My Life Under Construction where we're going through the book of Nehemiah. If you're not familiar with the book of Nehemiah, it's in the Old Testament. And uh, just a really incredible book for anyone that, that is looking to, to build something great in your life. How many people in here today, you'd say, like, Jason, I wanna build a great family. Let me see your hands. I wanna build a great family. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, how many people say, I want to build a great marriage? Come on, let me, let me see. How many people say, Jason, I want to build a big retirement uh, bank account for retirement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many people say, Jason, I want to build a healthy life? Let me see your hand. Come on. Okay, well, if you are interested in building something great, then you're going to love the book of Nehemiah because Nehemiah is all about building, rebuilding, recapturing some former glory uh, and, and so it's going to be a, a great series. I've been waiting to preach it for a little while, just excited because I'm, here's what I've been praying about and, and what I'm hoping and believing that God's going to do. No matter where you are on the spectrum, spiritual journey, timeline, or no matter where you are, I believe that, that God wants to help us to rebuild some things in our lives. That for some of us in here, yeah, it's going to be a new construction. You know, it's all brand new. But I think for most of us in the room, that God wants to rebuild some things. That God, maybe, maybe you're here today and God needs to rebuild some faith in you. That you can, you can point back to a time when maybe your relationship with God was stronger, your spirituality was stronger, but now it's kind of, um, it's kind of broken down and everything's just kind of laying in, you know, rubble and ruins around you and I just believe that throughout this series, God is going to help you to rebuild some faith. I believe that some of you in here, your marriage is hanging on. Maybe it's, it's not hanging on, but it's heading in that direction. And I just really believe that God is going to help us and help you to rebuild a great godly marriage. Some of you in here, your, your, your family's struggling. God wants to help you rebuild a great marriage. Some of you in here, your, your, your health is struggling. He said, well, Jason, God doesn't really care about my health. I mean, the Bible says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like, he cares. So I believe that God wants to help some of you rebuild your health, rebuild your finances. All of us have things that we want to see rebuilt in our lives. And we're always, maybe you can relate to this, and, and, and I know I feel this way a lot. It just always feels like we're under construction, it always feels like we're not where we want to be. It always feels like we're trying to get somewhere that we're not, you know, at yet. And God's always working on us. Our spouse is always working on us, you know, and our kids are always working on us. It just feels like we're always under construction. And the book of Nehemiah is going to show us how, obviously, with God's help, with God's inspiration, with God's guidance, we can and he can rebuild something great something great in our lives. And so we're gonna probably go five or six weeks with this and I wanna encourage you to be here for this series because I'm just really praying and believing that God's gonna recapture and, and rebuild some stuff. Just to give you a little context to kind of help you understand the book of Nehemiah, I don't wanna bore you with too much history, but just to give you a little bit of the context about this story, Nehemiah happens about a thousand years after Moses, you know Moses, 
and about 400 years before Jesus. Nehemiah lives in a place called Babylon. You've probably heard of Babylon. Babylon was a real place, and now it's almost a metaphorical place. It just represents evil and awful and, you know, sin. And, and so and, and he's living there, but he's not a Babylonian. He's a Jew. He's one of God's people from Israel, but, but he lives in Babylon, and he has one job. His job is to serve the king his wine. So he's like a, he's like a high-priced, uh, high-end bartender is what Nehemiah is in Babylon. And he doesn't know it yet, but over the next six months, his life is going to uh, exceed his expectations. And God is going to do some incredible things. About 150 years before where we're going to start today... Uh, the Jewish people, the Israelites were living in Jerusalem in the promised land. These were God's, you know, favorite, most cherished people. That's what the whole Old Testament is about. They're living there and they are captured by the Babylonians. It's where we get all the, the famous stories about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel and Esther and all of those books that are kind of lumped together in the, in the first kind of quarter of the Old Testament or second quarter of the Old Testament. That's where all those stories come from when the Babylonians captured Jerusalem. And they didn't just come in and win a battle. They came in and destroyed the place and then carried all the people. We're talking two or three million people carried them away from their homeland back to Babylon. Now, that doesn't mean a lot to us because we've been raised in America, kind of a, a superpower. But I want you to just for a second imagine that someone from the Middle East or, you know, wherever, someone from the Middle East attacked America. And not only did they beat us in a war, but they took everybody from America and took us back over to the Middle East. No more America, no more hometown, no more, like we're, we're living over there now. And we're still Americans, so to speak, but we're living there and we're under their government and under their, their reign. That's what has been happening for 150 years to all of the Israelites. Well, about, about 70 years after uh, that, that battle that they lost, there was a king, the next king up, named King Cyrus. And King Cyrus decided to let all of the, the, the Jews, all the Israelites that wanted to go back home, they could go back home. And, but, but something interesting had happened. They, they weren't going to be able to be Israelites. They could just live there. They're still going to be Babylonians, be under the, the reign of the Babylonians. But they could go back home and build their lives back up at home if they wanted to. But something interesting happened, interesting happened because we're now a full generation removed. So now, 70 years later, all of these kids and all these families, they were, they were raised in Babylon. And so King Cyrus says, you can go back home. But out of two or three million, only about 50,000 went back, like 2% of the people went back home. So you've got this really uh, densely populated area that is torn down and in ruins and there's not much happening, but you've got these 50,000 people who begin to rebuild life there. But it's hard for them to rebuild life because there are no walls. And back in that time, think about movies like Lord of the Rings. Think about, you know, if you've seen the movie Troy. Any movies back depicting those times where you lived in these towns, you had to have these huge walls. It was the only defense that you had. But all the walls had been destroyed, so they're living there. They can't have anything nice. They can't rebuild the temple. They can't really put much into their life because there's nothing to protect it. And the enemy could just come in and destroy 
And maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you feel like it's pointless to try to rebuild something. Maybe you feel like it's pointless to try to build something great with your life. Because every time you've tried in the past, it feels like that the enemy comes in and defeats you. It just feels like there's no point in really trying anymore. And that's how these people are feeling. And in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 5, which is where we're going to get to in this series. But I want you to just kind of know where we're going Nehemiah goes to the king. This is not King Cyrus. This is the next king. He goes to the king and he says, if you'll let me, I would like to go back to where my ancestors are buried and I would like to rebuild the walls. And that's what the whole book of Nehemiah is about. It's a a story. It's a memoir of a guy who wrote the story about himself, about him going back home and rebuilding these walls, rebuilding this town, recapturing its former glory. And throughout this series, we're gonna be using a verse of scripture from Amos. Amos chapter nine, verse 11. It's actually a long scripture, but there's there's just one little sentence in there. Amos chapter nine, verse 11, kind of talking about the same period, the same people. There's just a verse in there in Amos 9, 11, where God is talking and he says, from the ruins, I will rebuild it. From the ruins, I will rebuild it. And so I'm believing for that for your life, for my life, for our church, that God's going to do it. And Nehemiah, as he goes back, is going to give us a playbook. He's gonna give us a manual, a step-by-step guide for how we can recapture and rebuild just like he is going to do. All right, so is everybody caught up with the history, caught up with the context? You are are deeply entrenched in Jewish history. You're like the smartest person in your group of friends, all right? So here we go. Nehemiah chapter 1. Going to start with, uh, with verse uh, 2. Going to start with, ver- I'm sorry, the, the second half of verse 1. Here's what it says. Nehemiah is writing. These are his memoirs. He says, I was at the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers came to visit me and some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked, everybody say, I asked. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and how things were going. Now, just stop for a second. We're going to keep going. But I think it's so interesting that this story starts with Nehemiah asking the question. It's the question. If you want to talk about progress, rebuilding, building, recapturing, it is the question you have to be brave enough to ask yourself. Nehemiah starts the story by asking, how's it going? How's it going? So I just want to start today by just asking you that question. How's it going? How's it going? Is your faith where you want it to be? Is your life where you want it to be? Is your marriage where you want it to be? Your family, your finances, your health, your career, your dreams? How is it going? Because what happens to so many of us is we be kind of get, we get comfortable with our you know, status quo reality. And God has such better plans for us and life to the full that he wants us to live but we kind of are in denial about where we are. You ever been in denial about your current reality and where you are? I have. And so the story starts with Nehemiah just asking the question, hey, how's it going for Jerusalem? So we're gonna start there this morning. How's it going in your life? Maybe you need to ask somebody else. That's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah asked his friends, his brothers, maybe you need to ask your spouse, hey, how is our marriage going? Maybe you need to ask your kids, like, hey, how is the family going? Maybe you need to ask your boss, how good of an employee am I? Maybe you need to ask somebody healthy, like, hey, how do you feel like my health is? How is it going? Because we can't fix a problem that we don't admit that we have. And we can't solve an issue that we don't realize we have. 
So we've got to maybe today, we've got to look at God and we've got to say, God, like, how is it going? Is there anything in me that needs to change? How is my faith? How is my relationship? Is there anything in me that you need to work on? And so Nehemiah, that's where he starts. He looks at his brothers and his friends and he says, how is it going? And then they said, everybody say, they said. You gotta be careful with they said because you can't listen to everybody in your life because sometimes people be like, you know, you know what they're saying? They ain't saying nothing. There's like two people saying, okay? But sometimes you make it sound, like just so you know, like people come to pastors and churches sometimes, you're like, you know, I've been talking to a bunch of people and they're saying, and that usually just means to me like you and your mother-in-law. Like I don't believe, they're not saying nothing. You know what I mean? So, so you gotta be careful because, you know, they say a lot of stuff. And so you can't listen to everybody, but there are people in your life you've got to trust. There are people in your life that you aspire to get where they are. And so when you ask them, listen to what they say. Don't waste my time by asking and not listening to what I have to say. And so they said back to Nehemiah in verse three, I believe, they said, things are not going well. Things are not going well. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. You say, Jason, just straight up with you, things are not going well. I thought I was clean, but the addiction's pulling me back in. My health is not well. My body's not well. Things are not going well. You know, I can only think of really three reasons why something would need to be rebuilt. Maybe there's more. I'm not really a builder, but I can only think of three things, three reasons why something would need to be rebuilt. First reason something needs to be rebuilt is because it's damaged. You gotta rebuild it because it's damaged. It's damaged because something happened to it. Maybe it was a storm, a natural disaster. Maybe it was like an ex-wife. I don't know, something happened to it and it got damaged and now you gotta rebuild it. And maybe that's your life. Maybe God needs to do a rebuilding project in you because you've been damaged. Somebody hurt you deep. Somebody walked out on you, betrayed you. Your life has been damaged, and so now what was once this great dream or aspiration is just these ruins and rubble laying around. That's one reason something has to be rebuilt. It's damaged. Number two, second reason something's got to be rebuilt is it's been neglected. This is what happens to all the vehicles I own. It's been, don't ever buy a used car for me. Don't ever buy a used car for me, all right? It's been neglected. It wasn't damaged. Nothing happened to it. It's just after a while, things rust because you didn't, you know, take care of it. And so I think probably more of us in here, not just that we've been damaged, but I think probably more of us, we need some things to be rebuilt in our lives because we've neglected it. We neglected our faith. We neglected our health. We neglected our budget. We neglected our spouse. Like we neglected it. And after enough neglection, it's torn down and it's laying around and it needs to be rebuilt. But there's a third reason too that things need to be rebuilt, not just because it's damaged, not just because it's neglected, but sometimes it's just really old. Sometimes it's just old. And how many people know we serve a God who loves to do a new thing? Amen. I love that I serve a God who doesn't say like, Jason, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something really cool for you that I did back in the 50s and 60s. Like, no, God says, I got a plan for Jason. I got a plan for Rob. I got a plan for Jimmy. It's a new thing. And if you keep trying to live off of yesterday's, you know, it's like some of us, like we're still wearing our spiritual high school letter jacket. And God's like, you got to put that up. You know what I mean? I want to do a new thing in you. I don't care, you know, about your high school records. I talked to so many people who are like, man, back when I was in youth group. I'm like, well, that was 20 years ago. 
I saw a Facebook uh, meme or whatever, not a meme, whatever it was the other day. It was nailed. I'm 32, about to be 33. And it said, when someone says 10 years ago, I think they mean 1996. That's so true, ain't it? Anyway, okay. Random thought there. Anyway, so, but God wants to do a new thing. And he wants to do a new thing in your family. And so, and so he wants to rebuild something. Maybe today you're damaged. Maybe it's not going good because it was damaged. Maybe it's not well because it was neglected. Maybe it's just not well because it's old. But God wants to do something new in you. If we're willing to be honest that it's not going well. We cannot fix a problem we don't admit that we have. And so Nehemiah says, how's it going? And they say, it's not going well. And in verse 4, when I heard this, Nehemiah sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And, and, and I just think, and this is not the point of the message, but just let me say this real quick. When you don't know what to do, just fast and pray. When you don't know where to start, just fast and pray. When it feels like it's unfixable, just fast and pray. When the hole seems too deep, just start with fasting and prayer. And that's what Nehemiah does here. It's not going well. He doesn't really have a plan. And so we're just going to pray and we're just going to fast. And some of you in here, it seems too far gone. And I would just say start with prayer and fasting. But what I want to spend the rest of the time on today, and really what I want to get to is is, uh, verses 5 through 9. Because because Nehemiah is fasting and he's praying and we get a glimpse into the way that he's praying. And that's what I want us to focus on for these last 10 minutes today is the way that, that he's praying. You know, it's, it's interesting because historians believe that Nehemiah prayed for four months before he ever did anything. So you're going to find out later, spoiler alert, they do rebuild the walls. And it only takes 52 days, which is incredible because he prayed for four months and he only worked for 52 days. But that seems to be the the way that God always works because God is always more concerned about what he's doing in us than what he's doing through us. So he didn't show up to Moses until Moses was 80 years old. Jesus didn't start doing his ministry until he was 30 years old. Uh, David waited 15 years after being anointed king to, to be the king. And so maybe you're here today and you're like, Jason, I'm ready to get this thing going. I'm ready for God to rebuild it. Before you start seeing the work being done, God may want to spend some time fixing the heart, fixing you on the inside before you start seeing all the results on the outside. It took four months and 52 days for Nehemiah to be done, but it took four months for Nehemiah to be ready to start. And so God is wanting to do that. So verses 5 through 9, we get to see the prayers that, that Nehemiah are pray, is praying. And I just want to read this to you. Verse 5, then I said, he's praying, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love. Not to be a little bit sacrilegious, but Nehemiah's sucking up right here. This is like he's starting out this prayer by like, okay, God, things are not going good. Let me suck up a little bit. He says, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love. With those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying day and night for your people, Israel. I confess, into verse 6, that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Verse 8, please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But, everybody say but. 
if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. This is not God talking. This is Nehemiah reminding God of what God said. It's just a really powerful prayer, but let me just paraphrase it. Nehemiah says to God, because Nehemiah knows things are not going well. He knows that this land that God loves, these people that God loves, that their life is in ruins, their town is in ruins. And Nehemiah says to God, let me sum up four verses in one statement. Nehemiah looks at God, prays to God, and he says, this is my fault. This is my fault. Look at what he said. He said, he said we, our people, we have sinned against you. But what does the next sentence say? Yes, even me and my family have sinned against you. And that's an incredibly powerful statement because it's so easy to blame problems on everybody else, isn't it? We're in a real political season right now. And it's so, and I, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I love you, but like, if, if you're posting a lot of political stuff, like, I just block you and stuff because it's just exhausting. And here's the most exhausting thing about it is I, when Christians, like, act like it's everybody else's problem and fault that we are where we are. And so they will even quote scriptures like, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways and, you know, I will hear from heaven. And, but the pro, I love the verse. The problem is we're always projecting it onto other people. So we say things like, you know, our country has a moral dilemma. Our country has forgotten God. Okay, Maybe what we need to do if we want to see real change and see things rebuilt is like Nehemiah. Maybe instead of saying they have a problem, we need to say to God and say, God, I turn my back on you. God, I have a moral dilemma. God, I don't pray enough. And here's what I'm convinced of. We could change the world if we would say, God, this is on me. This is my fault. I need to love more. I need to give more. I need to share more. Like, it, it, it's not their problem. It's not the president's fault. It's not, you know, whoever's fault out there. It's not all their fault. This is my fault. That's what Nehemiah says. Now, what's interesting about this is Nehemiah's never been to Jerusalem, never lived there, never visited it, never seen it. And he's two generations away from the people who had, had fallen, and he's still taking personal responsibility for it. And so today, I thought the best place for us to start, because we're going to get some weeks that are really exciting and motivating and encouraging, like, yeah, we can rebuild it, come on. That's not this week. This week, we're going to start, this week, we're going to start where Nehemiah started. We're going to own our problem. And we're going to say to God, God, this is on me. This is my fault. Look at what he told him. Nehemiah said, we know what you said. You said if we served you and followed you and, and put you first, you would bless us. Guess what, God? It's on me. I didn't do that. We didn't do that. You said if we turned our back on you, you'd scatter us. Guess what? That's what we did, God. That's on me. It, it, it's not just our nation, God. It's a me because I am the nation. It's not just a church problem. It's me because I am the church. It's not just a family problem because I am my family. So, so Nehemiah is like, God, you said if we do this, that things would be good. If we do this, things would be bad. And, and guess what? We didn't do it right, and so this is on me. And I don't mean to be like, I'm not trying to be, be making anybody feel guilty this morning because I hope you know my heart and you know I love you and I'm right where you are. We're in this thing together. But there are some very simple principles, not simple, but there are some very uh, obvious uh, principles laid out in Scripture. If we do this, then things will be good for us. 
But if we don't, things will be bad. And it's so easy to play the victim. Like, I don't have any money. But Proverbs is filled with ways that tell us how to be blessed financially in our lives and how we can have money. And so instead of looking back and saying it's everybody else's problem, we got to look at God and say, God, this is on me. We know, I can tell you how to have a great marriage. Just open up the Bible and look at what God tells us. But when we don't do it, things go poorly and things begin to tear down and things lie in ruins. And so we want to sit back and say, what's their fault? They don't do this. They don't do this. They don't do this. Instead of looking at it and saying, you know what, this is on me. This is my problem. This is my fault. You want to know why you don't feel faith? You want to know why it feels like God's a million miles away? You want to know why it doesn't feel like you, uh, you know, have a close relationship with God? Because you're not putting any time into a relationship with God. And so you say, well, I'm going to go find another church because it's the church or it's this or that. It, it, at some point, we got to look at God and we got to say, God, even me and my family, we've sinned. We've sinned. And this is on me. The reason my life is the mess that it is is because it's on me. And some of you right now, your victim mentality defense mechanism is kicking in so strong right now. And you're like, well, uh uh-uh, because let me tell you why I'm this way. Or let me tell you how this happened to me or what they did to me. Even in the way that I get to react and respond to the things that happened to me are on me. So somebody hurts you bad. It's your choice to carry it around. It's your choice. So so somebody did you dirty. It's your choice the way that you get to respond and react. Is it easy? No. Is it difficult? Yes. That's why there's counselors all over the world, right, making money. It's hard. But it's still on me. God gives me the ability to build a great life of faith and family if I want to. Or I can say, well, I don't have the life I want, and everything has happened to me, and, and so I didn't really have a chance. And it's not, listen. At some point, you can't rebuild until you repent. Some point, you got to repent. You got to fall on your knees and you got to pray to God and you got to say, God, this is on me. This is on me. You told me what would happen, God. I went down that path. And so here's where I am. This is on me. But I love the way that the story ends because we don't have to be depressed today. Not the story ends, but the verse ends. We don't have to be depressed today because we serve a God who gives grace on top of grace. And so I love that Nehemiah is like, God, you know, we blew it as a nation, but God, I blew it. And then he says in verse 9, but if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, that even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I love that. It's pretty much saying, no matter how far gone you are, I will bring you back. Listen, don't call it a comeback, God said, like L.O. Cool J. He said, don't call it a comeback because I will bring you back. All you got to do is turn to me. All you got to do is repent. All you got to do is say, God, it's, this is on me. I've made my mess, but God... I'm sorry, forgive me and help me. And God says, when you turn to me, no matter how scattered, messed up, broken you are, I will bring you back. And I'm just praying and believing for some comeback stories. You say, Jason, I've been addicted for 10, 15, 20 years. I don't care. God can bring you back. You say, my wife won't even talk to me anymore. I know, I don't care. God can bring you back. I mean, I care, but God can bring you back. 
My kids won't talk to me. I'm, I'm, we're filing bankruptcy. We've already done it. I weigh more than I've ever weighed. My heart is not working right because I've had a heart attack because I'm this, whatever. Listen, God says, if you'll repent, if you'll own it, if you'll own it and repent and turn to me, I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back. And so maybe you're here today and you've got a rebuilding project that needs to happen in your life. We are going to start where Nehemiah started with repentance. We're going to start with repentance. We're going to own our failures. We're going to own our mistakes. We're going to stop blaming other people. We are going to return to God and say, God, we're coming back to you. We're going to do it your way. We're going to be in this with you. We're following your lead. And God says, that's all that I have been waiting on. Amos 9-11. Jesus says, from the ruins, I will rebuild it. And I'm not very familiar with ruins. You're probably not like an archaeologist. You probably don't know a lot about ruins either. But here's just how I translated that. And I wrote this down for me. Amos 9-11, I just wrote it down for me like this. I ruined it, but God's gonna rebuild it. I ruined it, but God's gonna rebuild it. So whatever it is in your life that you're looking at right now, we've given you all the examples, money, health, faith, marriage, family, whatever. Amos 9-11 for you and me, I ruined it, but God's gonna rebuild it. I just gotta own it. I just gotta turn back to him and he will bring me bring me back. So what do we need to repent of today? What do we need to own today? What do we need to stop putting on somebody else and look at God and say, God, this is on me. I'm addicted because of me. My marriage is messed up because of me. I'm bitter because of me. I don't have a relationship with God because of me. What do we need to repent of today? Let's pray.